Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Midnight City. Midnight City has released In at the Deep End. This album is the soundtrack of the summer, hands down. And here is my interview with Midnight City. All right. How you hey. doing, Rob? Hey, Robert, you all right, mate? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, sorry, I just had a few, uh, got a few technical issues going on over here at the minute, but uh, we, I think we figured it out. <laughs> I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Oh, no problem, mate. Thank you for having me on your, uh, your show, man. How was the recording process this time around? It had to be better not recording during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, definitely, 100%, because uh, the, the last album that we did, Itch Account Scratch, which came out two years ago, was um, recorded completely uh, uh, during the whole COVID thing. So it was actually, we didn't actually get together once to um, to actually record. We, we, it was recorded in five completely different studios all over the UK. And, uh, and obviously everybody was... Uh, you know, it was a weird time for everybody. Everybody was in a bad mood and <laughs> with all the, the crap going on around the world. So, um, yeah, it was a much smoother process this time around, for sure. Yeah, it's got to be hard to feed off each other when you're not even in the presence of each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, because obviously that's where, you know, you do uh, a lot of your, your, your best work. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a tricky album to record, the last one. But um we got it done because at the time, um, you know, nobody really knew how long this was going to last. And um, and uh, we, we didn't really want to wait around because, you know, like I said, nobody really knew how long the whole COVID thing was going to last. So we, we, we got the last album done and, uh, and you know, we're still really proud of that album. But um, but this one was a much smoother process um, from start to finish and uh, a much more enjoyable experience. I wanted to ask if you could speak on a couple songs for me. Uh, one, I love the intro going into Ray to Go. I think it's a great track to introduce the album. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, we, we decided uh, we'd never really done uh, an intro on on an album before. And uh, all, all kind of our favorite albums, um, a lot of them have, you know, intros before the the first song kicks in, you know, from, uh, you know, like Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet and uh, Danger Danger Screw It. And, and there's, there's a, me- a million other albums that have that kind of like an intro piece. Um, so Sean, our keyboard player, actually came up with the, the intro piece, uh, which uh, we called Outbreak. And then uh, that goes into the first song, Ready to Go, which was just um, just purely written about, coming out of the covid situation and uh the fact that we'd all been uh pent up inside uh for the last you know two and a half years not being able to go play shows not being able to see our friends our family all that kind of stuff and it was almost kind of like two and a half years of pent up kind of frustration really and that's what that song is all about it's almost you know it's about being able to get back out and 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 go to shows and play shows and see our friends and and go out for a beer and 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 all those good things in life that we all we all love you know and uh and it's pretty cool as well because what we do live we we we've, we've just actually finished the UK tour which we've been doing um for the past 4 weeks and uh 
that. Um, we we actually open our show with the out, uh, outbreak intro, and then we kick into uh, ready to go as the the first song of, of the the live set. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a cool way to start the album, a cool way to start our show. And my other favorite track on the album is uh, "Beginning of the End." Oh yeah, that that's uh, that's really that's a good one because because um, that seems to be a lot of people's favorite song, uh, which is um, you know you never really know when you put an album out because you um, you know you spend so much time with the songs and you never really know how people are going to react to them and which songs are going to be their favorite. But that song, I think. Is probably more, like from what I've heard, everybody seems that seems to be one of their favorite songs on the album, and uh, and that was a song that I wrote. Um, actually, one of the last songs I wrote for the album, uh, to be honest with you, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, a breakup song. It, it's a song about stuff that we've all been through, and everybody's been through it a breakup at some point in their life or if they haven't they will do you know and it's kind of like one of those really heartfelt songs and uh that seems to be it seems to really connect with a lot of people um because we're hearing a lot of uh you know we have you know other songs that you know hard is hard to break and and girls gone wild and and, and raise the dead but that one seems to get mentioned as much as any other so uh you've got good taste there robert <laughs> <laughs> And one thing I noticed about the album, I think if you strip it down and take it down to its roots, it's a, it's just a classic uh, rock album. Um, I could see each of these songs being done acoustically live as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, well, thanks for the compliment. I mean, um, basically how I, um, how I write songs, um, it, I, I write everything on an acoustic guitar. So that's why it kind of works because um, if a song works with just me and an acoustic, then when you take it in the studio and you you know you 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 add all the production and and make it sound huge, obviously you build on that. But at the same time, all those songs can be stripped back down to just one guy and an acoustic guitar. And I actually do, I do a lot of uh, outside Midnight City. I do a lot of uh, solo acoustic shows. Um, I did a tour opening up for uh, Ted Poley from Danger Danger uh, over here in March. And I've got some shows coming up with Mike Tramp. And uh, I play acoustically a lot. And, and 95% of the stuff I do is is Midnight City stuff. Because, like I said, you know, it can because it's been written on an acoustic guitar and because it works on an acoustic, um, all those big production songs can be taken back to the bare minimum and, and still still really work you know um in front of an audience yeah and i think all the best songs uh render themselves that way as far as the rock genre me you know? i agree man i mean i i grew up on all the all the uh the classic songwriters you know the desmond childs the diane warrens the you know and you look at bands you know bon jovi for you know def leppard i mean all those guys can you know those songs work acoustically because you know the, the the actual you know the songs are really strong you know and and uh, mm -hmm. and and that's sort of you know why they work is because you know you can't you know you can't you can't hide behind anything when you're doing acoustic stuff it's and, and if a right. song kind of sucks it really sucks acoustically <laughs> you know because there's nothing yeah. to hide behind but it also it's kind of like it was again if the song really works 
acoustically, then you you know you're onto a good thing, you know. Yeah, it, the only time it becomes a really a hard thing is like, for example, uh, I remember an interview with Ace. He wanted to originally do a shock me on their acoustic performance, and he said I could not play that lead on acoustic. Yeah, those those songs that I'm I'm a, I, you know you're preaching to the choir here because I'm like Kiss is my favorite band, um, but yeah, some of those songs I mean they did an incredible job of obviously doing the uh, the the '95 the acoustic unplugged thing, but there was definitely a few songs that they couldn't do, um, and I remember hearing about Ace. Yeah, unfortunately, the acoustic strings are very unforgiving, so they don't they they don't yes. bend that well. So uh, yeah, soloing on acoustic is, is a whole different thing. <laughs> And I wanted to ask about the videos for Girls Gone Wild and Hardest Heart to Break. How did they go for you? Um, well, with, with the videos, um, I, we, I always leave, uh, well, we, we, we leave uh, the, the, the video ideas to uh, Sean, our keyboard player, Sean Charvet, who's, uh, he's really good at coming up with kind of key, uh, at, at, uh, video idea concepts and um little ideas um we we did a, a great video uh on our last album which was um a, for a song uh called uh they only come out at night which was uh just i don't know if you've seen that yet but that was we did it it was almost like a, a nine minute mini movie um yeah we all had the vampire makeup and, and he he scripted that whole thing out and He's really good at coming up with ideas like, you know, with stuff like that, you know. So um, so basically, um, yeah, we, he uh, with, with the Girls Gone Wild video, um, he came up with the whole concept of us trying to basically trying to find five girls that kind of looked a little bit like us. And we kind of threw out the video, kind of morphed into the female versions of ourselves. And uh, it was just because the song is such a fun song and it's, a tongue-in-cheek song, you know, it, it's kind mm -hmm. of, you know, it, it tips a hat to all my favorite bands like Warrant and Poison and all those guys that, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's not, we're not trying to save the world, you know what I mean? It is a tongue-in-cheek, fun, you know, hair metal song, and we wanted a video to go along with it, and uh, we, we all thought it came out great, it was a lot of fun to shoot, and, um, and the girls in it were great, and um, people just seemed to really just enjoy the fun aspect of it, and, uh, and actually, um, the Hardest Heart to, hardest heart to Break um, video was actually shot, funny enough, on the same day, uh, even though you wouldn't think we had a really, really long day, we had like a 14-hour day of, of two video shoots, so we got done with the Girls Gone Wild video, and then we all took a break and, and obviously got changed and, and, and totally, you know, changed the vibe because obviously Hardest Heart to Break is, is a ballad. And and with that one, Sean sort of said, well, why don't we go for like a classic, almost kind of like a, a late 80s MTV style video. And uh, mm. his idea was actually, he was kind of looking at videos like, you know, uh, Motley Crue's You're All I Need and uh, Winger's uh miles away video and and we you know kind of like a grainy 80s kind of black and white um just like a low-key just like a, a nice looking video to go along with the song and it and it just um it just worked out great so yeah it we're, we're really happy with both those videos and uh getting back to hardest heart to break i wanted to ask uh the song sounds very personal in, in nature. 
and I wanted to know if it was one and two, did that make it hard to perform? Yeah, a little bit, mate, a little bit. You know, it was it was written about uh, a, a past relationship of mine that came to an end. And uh, the actual um, the, the kind of theme behind the song was, um, you know, the, the, the main tagline is you're the hardest heart to break. And, and, and that's kind of meaning that, you know, in, in any relationship, whether it's a, a relationship breakdown or a marriage breakdown or whatever, a divorce, whatever, there's usually one side there's usually one person that wants things to end and there's usually one person that doesn't and uh every now and then it, it, it can be mutual but in my experience it never is right uh, it's usually a one-sided thing and it was kind of written about you know looking back at where i was at the time where you know i was i was sat at home you know drinking a beer sat on the couch feeling miserable about you know what had happened and and yet i'm seeing her you know, out with her friends, having a great time and uh, kind of clearly, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that the breakup was was affecting me a lot more than it was her. And it was kind of that thing of like, well, you know, why am I sitting at home, you know, you know, crying into my right. beer and, and, and feeling awful about this and you're I having a great time and it, and it almost doesn't mean anything to you. So that whole point was you're the hardest heart to break as in, you know, what does it actually take for you, for your heart to break? Because mine is and yours certainly isn't. <laughs> so, uh, so that's kind of what it was about. And uh, singing it, it was with those songs, you've really got to get in that kind of headspace and, and um, you know, cause this actually happens at quite a long time ago. This, the, the song that I, you know, the person that I wrote this song about, but when I was recording it, you totally have to get in the zone as to where you were and how you're feeling at that moment in time. And uh, I think I, I, it's one of my, I think one of my best vocal jobs, really, I think so far, I think I really, you know, I sang my absolute ass off on that song. <laughs> you know, it wasn't an, e an easy song to sing. And, um, you know, because it's a really, like a lot of the stuff on the Midnight City stuff, it, it's, you know, it's really up there vocally, you know, in in my top range. And it's 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 a really high-pitched song. But, you know, I think I managed to get the emotion. That was the main thing, you know, you need to get that emotion across. And I think when I think when you listen to that song, you can you can feel that and uh you can't fake that kind of stuff, you know. It's it's real and it and it and I think I think it comes across that way. I also wanted to ask you if you could speak on the album artwork and the artist that was involved. The album artwork is very immersive. Yeah, again, well, um, we we um, we we came up. Well, I came up with the, the album title in at the deep end, which was uh, basically what how we usually uh, title albums is. What what I do is once an album's finished, is I sit down and I read through all the lyrics that I've written. And I see if there's like a cool sounding phrase from one of the songs um, that the that works that pops out. And we did that on our previous album and on our second album. And uh, once this album was done, I sat down and read through all the lyrics and um, the, the, ter the, the, the term in at the deep end actually comes. Uh, it's actually a line from a song called raise the dead, which is obviously on yes. the album. So I thought, that's a great sounding album title. Um, so um, 
I had no ideas. I, I, I'm never good at coming up with album cover concepts. But again, Sean, our keyboard player, he, that's kind of his thing. He's, he's a good kind of like marketing guy. And uh, he came up with this whole idea of almost kind of like an under, like almost like an 80s neon city underwater, kind of as weird as, as that sounds, because we did have a couple of, uh, we had a different artist that um, actually did our second album cover. And he, he sent us a couple of ideas over that just weren't working at all. Um, so Sean came up with this idea of, like I said, this underwater neon 80s city. Mm -hmm. And um, he worked really closely with a guy called Alex Cooper, who's actually becoming um, really well known because he, he's doing a lot of album covers now. Um, and he's, his profile is really starting to take off a little bit because he's doing... Uh, you know, he's, I, I can't think off the top of my head, but he's he's been doing quite a lot of album covers for, for this sort of genre of music. Um, so it was really just a case of Sean working with Alex and and pretty much just one day, Sean just said, what do you think of this? And this is sort of, you know, he'd gone back and forth with Alex and changed a few bits. And we were just really happy with it. And if you, if you, if you kind of zoom in on the, on the artwork, there's some cool little, um, you know, things that you might not know is like girls gone wild is 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 is, is pictured on the album and it's mm. there's also something that says volume four which is cool which is obviously in relation to the fact that it's our fourth album and uh the stereo um the kind of the boom box stereo also has our names on on it as well and it was uh just a really cool looking album cover it, it really really worked and really went hand in hand really well with the album and Rob, I wanted to ask you about your musical development. You've had a great career. At what age did you begin? Oh God, I I started playing. Well, I started playing guitar when I was nine, and uh, but I was into music a long time before that. I mean, I I was listening to music when I was like four or five years old, and uh, when I was a little kid, uh, my my sister was a big Duran Duran fan, and. Uh, I, I got into got into Duran Duran and then around uh, 1986, things kind of changed a little bit for me then when I uh, the, the band Europe had a massive, uh, had a number one single over here in the UK with the song The Final Countdown. Yes. And as a, uh, as a nine-year-old little kid, uh, that was it, you know. So I, I discovered Europe and then not long after that, it was Bon Jovi and then Def Leppard and then Kiss. Um and then my mom, uh, my mom took me to see my first rock concert when I was eleven years old. She took me to see Europe on the Out of This World tour, and it was really at that point that I, a hundred percent, I already kind of knew that I wanted to play music. But it was seeing that show um, at, that just completely changed my life. I think every musician has one of those moments where they go and see a band, and I remember walking out of that gig as a little 11 year old kid thinking you know i know what i want to do for the rest of my life and um so yeah so i mean i started playing guitar at nine and i started writing songs when i was about 11 and you know and then i started playing drums and bass and then i started singing and and really it all kind of went from there you know i started playing in bands when i was like 14 years old and um yeah, and it's kind of been a it's been a hell of a journey, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's been it's been a fun one. It's it's been a lot a hell of a lot of hard work. Um, but it's been 
it's been pre- pretty good so far. And I wanted to ask you along your journey, what would you say has been the best advice you've been given along the way? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think probably the best advice that I ever had was just to always do what's in your heart to do and play the music that, that you want to play. Because if you're trying to be something you're not, um, people see straight through it, you know, and if you're sure. trying to be, if you're trying to look a certain way or sound a certain way just to fit in with what's going on, it just doesn't work. So I've always just a hundred percent done my own thing, you know, from, you know, starting out in my, in my school rock band when I was 14 and then, you know, then started my first sort of like real serious rock band when I was 17 and playing drums in that for five years. And then, and then, sort of moving on to different bands. I mean, I've been in so many bands, you know, I was, um, you know, I sang in the band Tiger Tales for, for 10 years, which was quite, a, you know, quite a big band over here. Sure. Um, and I've done, you know, I've done so much stuff, but I, the main, the main piece of advice I always kept with me was just to, to be yourself. And, and so long as you, so long as you a hundred percent believe in what you're doing and you, 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 you're so passionate about what you're doing, then, people will catch on to it and people will, will be with you, you know, and, and jump on board with it. So, you know, just, just being, just being true to who you are, I think is the best piece of advice I ever had. And also along that journey, what would you say has been your proudest moment as an artist? That's another good question. Um, there, there's been many, there's been, there's been many, um, I mean, I, I've got to say I'm really, really proud of this this album uh, in at the deep end. Not that I'm not proud of everything else I've done in my other bands and, and even the other Midnight City albums, you know, I'm really proud of. But there's just something about this album that seems to have really, really connected with a lot of people. Um, but I think the proudest moment for me um, was probably when we went to Japan uh, as Midnight City in uh, in October 2019, which was somewhere that as a kid, you know, I'd always dreamed of going. And I've been lucky enough to, to play. I mean, I played in, God, like 24 countries around the world. I, I've been been around the world a lot, you know, and, and lived in the States for a few years and, and Australia. I played in Australia and all over Europe and all the rest of it. But there was always, the dream was always to go to Japan, like every single band, you know, the, show me a rock band that doesn't dream of going to Japan. And uh, sure. we were lucky enough to do that. And uh, we played two uh, sold out shows in, in Tokyo and Osaka in, uh, in 2019. And that was really, that was the, the highlight of my career so far, you know, was just being able to do that and, and, and not just play the shows and, and, and experience how incredible the fans were, but also, you know, to ride on the bullet train and, and to, we, we had a day off and we went around all the temples um, and, and just experienced that whole, you know, we're all my heroes. You know, I remember seeing all those classic pictures of Kiss, you know, yes. you know, from the temples in 77 oh. when they've got the kimonos on and stuff. And, and then, you know, through all, all the bands that I grew up on, you know, whether it was Skid Row or Warrant or Danger Danger or Rat or whoever it was, you know, I just remember watching all those VHS videos, you know, and, and just dreaming one day I'm going to do that. And and we we finally managed to do that a few years ago. So 
that's still the the number one highlight for me. Sure, and and you know, I was floored. I'd never realized until uh, Dave Mustaine actually said that this year was the first time that Megadeth had played the Bedokin. You know, Whoa. and I was like, "How is that possible?" You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, so I was just floored by it because I remember Kiss back in the day selling Five Nights Straight there. Yeah, that that was one of the big big places to play, wasn't it? So uh, yeah, yeah it, it was it was amazing. It was amazing, and uh, we're actually going back. We're, we're going back in December. We're, we've got two shows in Japan in uh, the beginning of December. So uh, you know, can't wait to get back over there again. It's it's going to be great. And. Uh... Will we be seeing you in the States? Uh, I hope so. Well, we, you know what? We, we At the minute, we're actually working at getting us on the Monsters Rock Cruise, which is something that uh, I've actually been working on for, for a while. And, uh, you know, because we get we get requests all the time because we, we, we have a, a, a big kind of fan bases, to be honest with you, are, are Japan, the USA, Australia and kind of like the scandinavian countries um but the usa's i mean i i like i said i lived over there for three years back in uh god like 2007 to 2010 and i absolutely i i love the states um and we were dying to get out there and play so um we we constantly keep getting brought up in the uh the polls on the uh, the monster rock cruise everybody wants us to play that so no, nothing's a hundred percent confirmed, but um, it's looking quite hopeful that we. Unfortunately, it won't be next year's, which is twenty twenty four. But it's looking quite hopeful that we will be on the Monster Rock Cruise in twenty twenty five, which will be just perfect for us. You know, it'll be absolutely perfect um, platform for us to play, and then, and then hopefully, you know, if we get that. Maybe we could play a few shows around it. Um, but we're dying to get out and play in the states. Um, you know, it's 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 definitely on our on our bucket list because we've you know we've we've done a lot of Europe and like I said, Japan and and Australia and and the UK. We play all the time, but we're really missing you know getting out and playing in the states. So hopefully, hopefully we can make that happen. So we're we're definitely working on it. And I wanted to ask you, Rob, when you're not working on music. Do you have any hobbies that you enjoy in your spare time? Ah, uh, you know what? I mean, music just takes up so much of my life um, because you know it, it's just there's just so much to do, you know. It, and and we kind of like you know we do have people that work with us, but we also we kind of like the band manages themselves as well and and books our own tours and all that kind of stuff. So a hell of a lot of work goes on behind the scenes. Uh, that a lot of people don't see but um you know like i said i do my my solo acoustic stuff and i have some other musical things we all have other musical things that we do but outside of music you know i mean i like uh i like to keep fit so i like running and uh nothing particularly exciting i like running i, I like going out in the countryside getting away from everything going for long walks and, and just going kind of completely clearing my head and stuff like that but um, but that's it, you know. I mean, I pretty much uh, music just it takes up so much of my life. There's not really much room for anything else, to be honest with you. 
I also want to ask you, what's the best way to get merchandise and a physical copy of the album? Well, um, the, the best way um, of doing all that, I mean, we're obviously on Facebook, uh, which is just Midnight City UK. And uh, we're on Instagram, which is at Midnight City Official. Uh, we're also on Twitter. But the best way of getting the, 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 the merchandise is just through our website, which is just MidnightCity.com. And um, we've actually just updated our website. We've got a really cool shop section now, um, uh, which not only has the album, the CDs, but also all our merch. And we've uh, we've now got kind of, I think at the last count, we've got about eight or nine different tour shirts, um, which you can get in literally every size from small to 4XL. Um you know, including the new tour shirt, but we we're even we've even put up all, all the old shirts from my previous tours and stuff like that. It's a really cool website, um, so that's probably the best place to go. And and the one thing we want to say as well is, is to people that that we, as you will know yourself, Robert, that you know um, the streaming stuff is great, and you know there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, for bands to keep you know touring and, and to keep being able to afford to, to play music and stuff we you know every band needs people to buy the physical products so you know buy buy the album you know buy the merch and by all means stream as well but you know it, it by buying the physical product uh it helps bands like ourselves and a million others to keep ticking over you know what i mean so but um yes but yeah. thank you for the show yeah man and, and you know we're we're, we're pretty active on you know on all all social media platforms as well so we we you know we you know if anybody wants to send a message to the facebook page or instagram or whatever we we pretty much get straight back to to anybody that uh, gets in touch so um yeah we're, we're easy to reach that's for sure and uh speaking of touring and touring merchandise if you could pick your top three bands that you would absolutely love to tour with, who would they be? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, these are good questions, mate. They're, they're very, very good. Um, Kiss, obviously, number one, without any doubt. Uh, I actually just saw, uh, it was quite a sad day for me, actually, because I, I, I saw two of the, they were just in the UK last week, and I actually saw my final two ever Kiss shows uh, in Birmingham and uh, Manchester, uh, I know they're they're wrapping things up in the states uh, in December at mm -hmm. Madison Square Garden. So it was actually yeah, just last weekend I saw my last Kiss show. But um, I would love to, you know, the, the ideal gig for us would be to to get on, you know, some of those la very last Kiss shows. Um, I think that, and I think also, um, you know, on the, uh, the 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 stadium tour that 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 went around uh, the States last year with Motley Crue and, uh, and uh, Def Leppard and Poison. I mm -hmm. think we'd have been a perfect band, the, the perfect opening band on that, you know, get rid of Joan Jett and stickers on there instead. Right. <laughs> I, I think that would be, would be pretty cool. Um, and then I don't know, like a, a, a third band. It, it, it's tricky. Um, it would have to be just that, like any, like arena rock, because I think, you know, doing what we do, you know, it's such a, such a, and, and when we play live, I mean, we, we, we just go nuts on stage. You know, it's a very visual band of, you know, running around and, and, and you know, we, our, our show belongs on a, on a big stage. So um, 
I don't know, maybe maybe just like you know a Def Leppard tour or something. I know I mentioned them before, but uh, you know, just just one of those one of those big arena rock bands. I think uh, we we would fit with any of them, to be honest with you. Sure. And uh, lastly, I wanted to ask you if you could give a message to your fans. What would that message be? Well, I just want to say, you know, on behalf of myself and the rest of the guys that, you know, we just want to thank you all for the support we've had. I mean, we've been around. Uh, it's great because um, I was speaking to somebody about this the other day that, um, you know, we, we were four albums in, you know, the band um, started in, in, in 2017. And, you know, so we, we, we have been around for a while, but, you know, people just seem to you know we have our old school fans that have been with us since day one but on this album we seem to have attracted a, a lot of people that some of them haven't even heard with the band before so they're kind of like backtracking a little bit but sure. um we're just so you know we we we're just so happy that you, you dig our new album and and uh you know every time we go out and play we give 110 percent. you know you ask anybody that came to see us on our uk tour over the past four weeks and they'll tell you you know that we were was such a a fan friendly band. I mean, we have a a Facebook group called the Midnight Army that has well over a thousand members, and uh, we're just very proactive with our fans. You know, we're not one of these bands that, um, you know, we're a little bit standoffish from our fans. I mean, we're we're out after every show, hanging out with them. You know, like I said, if anybody wants to send a message, we get straight back to them. And uh, and hopefully we give them something back, you know, in return for everything that they give to us. So um, we just can't thank them enough for for all the support. And and like I said earlier, we just keep keep buying our music though. That's important rather than streaming, you know, because sure. you know, bands bands need to kind of stay self sufficient and stuff like that. So buying merch, you know, helps bands like us and a million other bands, you know, to to carry on doing what what we're doing, you know. Sure. Uh, no one's going to get rich making a hundredth of a penny. That's right, mate. That's right. You've got it. You've got it. And, and we <laughs> do. I mean, I, I totally get that that's the way that the world is nowadays and people do. That's how they consume their music. But, you know, we're lucky enough that we do have, you know, some old school fans that will just they will buy the CD just to look at the artwork. Sure. And and just stick it on the shelf and then he will still go and listen to the album on Spotify or, or iTunes or whatever. But they, they're also they know that, you know, they're supporting the band by buying the album as well, which is, uh, you know, there's a million other bands like us, you know, on the same scene. And uh, and they'd all say the same thing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really important. Sure. And, you know, and like I say, you know, we came out of COVID and things are better now and it's time to go see acts. You know, Absolutely. It's time to go see a band and have fun again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what, I mean, us more than any other band. I mean, we're like the, <laughs> we're like the, the, the most fun rock band you, you can go and see, you know, it, and, and we're, you know, after like two and a half years, three years of just complete misery, we are the ultimate band to come out and see and have a great time and have a beer and just, you know, forget all your problems and just have fun. And that's what this band is all about. Sure. And that's what rock and roll is all about. You got yeah. it. You got it, Robert. Yeah. Well, I wanted to thank you, my friend, for one, delivering an amazing album and two, taking your time to speak with me, my friend. 
Oh, you're welcome, and and thank, I'm really glad you like the album, and uh, I I'm, it's been a pleasure to be on your show, mate. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you, my friend. You have a great rest of your day. You too, Robert. Take care, buddy. All right, take care. Bye bye. Bye. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.